Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One man was a keeper and a doer of the law. He gave the tithe offering and then sung. He tithed of everything. He fasted at the appointed times and then sung. He even fasted beyond what was absolutely required. He went above and beyond the law. So is that a bad thing that he did? No, of course not. We would even look upon this person, this Pharisee, as a good person. I mean, they were basically a good person. They tried to, he tried to do all the things that you ought to do because God's law is given to us. It instructs us. We know what we ought to do. And he was trying to do all of those things. That in itself is not a bad thing. However, his prayer betrays his view of the law and where he's actually placing his trust in his keeping of the law. God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. So you'll notice in his prayer that it's really a self-congratulatory prayer. Thanks, God, for making me so good. I'm not like all these other hooligans. He offers uh, thanks that... uh, that for, for him being who he is, thanks God that I'm able to measure up to your law. That's basically what he's saying. He's offering thanks that he's able to satisfy the demands of God's law. Well, at least he thinks that he is able to satisfy the demands of God's law. But what he says in this prayer and what we can see clearly is that The Pharisee thinks that the law of God is the means by which you can be judged righteous. Do this and you will be judged righteous. Well, it's kind of a trick question. Or, or, uh, you know, if you could keep the law, then you would be judged righteous. But that's where the rub is. Can you keep the law perfectly? Now, on the contrary, we have the antithesis here, which is the tax collector. He sees the law of God as the means by which he must be judged unrighteous. He knows he hasn't satisfied the demands of the law. He knows it. He knows that he has fallen short. If he is to be judged by the keeping of God's law, then basically he's caught with his pants down. He is not going to satisfy the demands of the law. So he, the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. In humility, he casts his eyes down. He refrains from even coming close to God, and he beats his chest, which is a sign of deep sorrow. Paid mourners would beat their chests, you know, in, in a sign of, of sorrow, of remorse. And he says, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
Now you'll recall from a couple weeks ago that we saw 10 lepers crying out for mercy. And in that text, they were crying out for mercy with the word that's familiar to us from the Kyrie, the Kyrie Eliason, the prayer that we have in our service. And that word Eliason, which comes from Eleo, is translated literally as mercy. But in this case, today, the word that's being translated, be merciful, is different. It's um, the word hilastheta, hilastheta moi, be merciful to me. That's what he's saying. But be merciful is one way you could render it. But if you wanted to translate it literally, it would be be propitiated in regard to me. This is why we translate it, God be merciful to me. And you can check all of your translations. They'll all say, God be merciful to me. Because that makes more sense. But, but you, just wrap your head around that text and you'll understand this a little better. He says, God be propitiated toward me. It's not just that the tax collector is asking for mercy but he's asking for God's just wrath against him on account of his sin to be propitiated, to be atoned for. This goes beyond simple mercy. He's asking for an atoning sacrifice. And sacrifices of atonement were offered at the temple where the men in this parable have gone. They've gone up to the temple Uh, This would most likely have been during either the morning or the evening sacrifice when they were doing this. These temple sacrifices, which they were looking toward in trust and faith, were really a shadow, a shadow of Christ, the ultimate and final sacrifice. And that's, that's what this, this, expression is saying is be propitiated toward me, God. Give me a sacrifice that atones for my sins and in that way show mercy to me. I think that's a a more full understanding of exactly what this tax collector who can't even look up but has to cast his eyes down and beats his chest and stays far off and says, be merciful to me, a sinner, He's he's, he's saying all of that. He's saying, give me propitiation, Lord. It's a simple expression. Lord, be propitiated toward me, a sinner. And it is a simple expression, but a faithful expression of the contrition that is wrought by God's law on the believer. See, to properly understand God's law is to see it not primarily as a list of do's and don'ts, but primarily as a mirror by which we can plainly see our sinful condition. That is the difference between these two people. Who needs the mirror of God's law? Everybody. And in this parable, both the Pharisee and the tax collector, they both need the mirror of God's law. But it's only the tax collector that sees his sinful condition rightly. He's not exalted as though he is a better person. They're both sinners. But Jesus says that the tax collector went down to his home justified. 
not the Pharisee, the tax collector. But the tax collector was not justified. Um, The Pharisee was, the difference between the two is the way they see the law and their regard for it. The Pharisee sees it as a list of do's and don'ts, what must be done, and he says, I've done it. God, I've done it all. Man, there's just this one little thing that you lack. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me and there'll be treasures in heaven. That wasn't Jesus' literal description of what you should do to be saved. He was saying, if you want an answer according to the law, I'll give you an answer according to the law. Keep the law perfectly 100% of the time, never failing in any shape, in any way, shape, or form. And then you can be saved by the law. Or be like the tax collector and say, oh, with your law, God, I see myself rightly. In the mirror of your law, I see myself rightly. It's God that worked redemption and contrition in the heart of the tax collector. God works through his law to show our need for a savior. Tax collectors were known, by the way, for selling out their own fellow Jews. Basically, they were commissioned by the Roman government to collect taxes, and they would collect a little bit more than they needed, some more, some less, and then they'd skim off the top. So they were supposed to collect a certain amount, and that's what they would be held accountable for. They needed to to turn that over to the Roman uh, government, but they would skim a little off the top. So they were seen as traitors in many ways. They were very much looked down upon. Do you ever collect more than you should? Do you ever steal? Covet? Do you ever covet what's not yours? Do you ever look at your neighbor, maybe as this Pharisee did, and say, I'm not perfect, I know that, but I'm way better than they are. All of those are sins that the only reasonable response from us is God be propitiated propitiated toward me, a sinner. That's the only response. Our lesson doesn't end with this parable. It goes further and is related. It was common by parents Uh, for parents to bring their children to a rabbi to be blessed. Touch. They were bringing their their children to Jesus so that he could touch them. Some parents were doing just that, and the disciples attempted to stop them. But Jesus called to them, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. First thing I want to point out is that children in this passage is the word brephe, which refers to infants, including those that are still in the womb. Uh, in fact, Luke uses that same word in Luke one forty four, where John the Baptist is in Elizabeth's womb and Mary pregnant with Jesus, comes to Elizabeth and the baby leapt in her womb. That was the brephe, leapt in her womb. 
So this word brefe, when Jesus says, let the little children come to me, he is saying the infants, the youngest ones. I'm like pointing at our baptismal font up here. Yes, this is why we baptize young children, because Jesus said so. Do not hinder them from coming to me. He further states that we must receive the kingdom of God like a child. And this doesn't mean sinless. And we want to be quick to point that out. Another reason why we baptize infants. It doesn't mean that a, a child is so pure and innocent. That's not what Jesus is saying. They're not pure and innocent. They are also born sinners. They have the same original sin that, they, that we've inherited from Adam and Eve. We got it in conception. In, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalm 51. Children can die. Infants can die. That's, that means that they have inherited that same sin. If they didn't have that sin, they couldn't die. But what Jesus is saying is not that they are pure and righteous on their own, but that a child is helpless and depends on their parents, their mother, their father, to care for them. A child, think about it, a child, an infant, is utterly helpless. And in the same way, Jesus says, you must be utterly helpless so that you cannot rely on your good deeds or your works. You can't pat yourself on the back. That's what Jesus is saying. To come into the kingdom of God, you you can't bring forth your good gifts and say, here, God, look what I've done for you. Allow me entrance into your kingdom. You must simply speak this this bold and simple confession. Lord, be propitiated toward me, a sinner. Look, I just, I tripped in the sermon on that word propitiated. Go ahead and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, if that's easier. That's fine. The point is just understand that that's what we're doing, is we're asking God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And we're relying completely, just as a child, an infant relies entirely on their parents. We're relying on Christ's atoning work to cover our sins. And that's just like what the tax collector was doing. He was not relying on any of his own good works. He was relying entirely and utterly on God's gracious mercy and God's disposition toward him. God be propitiated propitiated toward me, a sinner. That is our battle cry, and it's one of humility. I mean, you can even cast your eyes down and beat your chest and stand far off. You may even feel the weight of sin crushing you when you look at yourself rightly in the mirror of God's law. But don't despair. Know for certain that God has heard your confession and God has given you a propitiation for your sins. 1 John 4, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be 
the propitiation for our sins. You've been baptized into Christ. He has laid his hands on you. You know, the, the touch that the parents brought the, the, their infants to Jesus so that he could bless them and lay his hands on them and touch them. He has touched you in your baptism. He touches you as you come and receive this sacrament. So don't stand far off, but come and receive the blessings of your Father. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.